restoration of new covenant Christianity. Amen? Okay. Amen. Yes. Amen. Woo! Let it be so is an amen. Okay. So, can we just have that little picture up again? Is that picture slide in there somewhere? Awesome. Thank you. So we're going to do something a little bit different today because um, we have many people that have things to share here. Amen? So um, I just realized I say amen a lot, don't I? Amen. Amen. Let it be so. Let it be so. We want to see the restoration of New Covenant Christianity. We want to go beyond just meetings. We want to go just beyond times of, of stuff, you know, to live in the fullness of what God has for us and for our other brothers and sisters. Amen. So, we don't actually do this theme preaching very often. I've, I've just realized. We often have prophetic stuff happening. We, you know, we, like we have a passage of Scripture that God is highlighting that goes out. But we don't often do theme stuff that often. But we're, but we're definitely in a theme at the moment. And I feel like the Lord's just got a little bit more to say on these things. Because the Lord wants to collectively lead us into this. He wants to lead us into this restoration of New Covenant Christianity. The first week, for those that weren't here, and you can always listen to it on the podcast, or you can go to our website or whatever, I spoke about the foundation being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The love of the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Spirit. Amen. Last week, we spoke a lot about um, being a relational Covenant, community, family, etc., etc. Because that is one of the one of the major things that there is a coming together, where the world, where the enemy has tried to separate people, as God's spirit moves, there is a coming together. There's a coming together, and one of the aspects of that which I felt the Lord said to highlight today is that it's about generations. Amen. Generations together. Unfortunately, the church has often separated generations, and people have felt separate from, from one another. That you know, it's like, well, what box are you in? Oh, well, I'm kind of like married with kids. Okay, well, you're in that box over there. What 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 box are you in? Oh, well, I'm kind of retired now. Okay, well, you 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 go in that box over there. You know, the church has followed the patterns of the world and put people into boxes. But in the restoration of New Covenant Christianity, it's actually a breaking of those boxes that we would be family, that we would be the generations together. Amen? So this morning, I'm going to round it up at the end, but we're going to take a little bit of time to hear from two different generations today. Well, it'll be three generations because I'm stuck in the middle. I'm stuck in the middle. So, who, who's going first? Do you go first? Okay. Nick's going first. Good morning. Restoration of New Covenant Christianity is really quite 
a big, important topic that without, we have nothing. Because we know, do we know what the new covenant is? It is that the Jesus Christ came for us, that what the law could not fulfill, that in our flesh we could not live up to the law and to God's standards. So Jesus Christ came and he lived a perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice so that we could live in him, live in him with him, in communion with him always. The spirit of the living God indwelling in us always. That, that is our new covenant. Um, the aspect I really wanted to focus on this morning was uh, our dependency on Jesus to live this new covenant life. Um, and I want to start with in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 verse 3. I'll read through to 11. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil falsely for you, against you for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Um. I think it can be so easy in our life to to slip back into not just sin but but fleshly thoughts and thought patterns and processes that we need to be doing something or be trying to become better or do better to please God. But when we read the Beatitudes, we're reminded that it's the poor in spirit, the ones that that know that they can't do it on their own, they're the ones that um, inherit the kingdom of heaven. Um, I'd also like to read from Romans 7, 4 and also Romans 8, 6. So here we're, we're reminded of the separation that we have from where we were living before in the old covenant in the flesh to where we are living now in the new covenant in the spirit. So we read in Romans 7, 4, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So there we're reminded that we are now married to Christ. I think that's a revelation that we could all get more of, that we are his bride, that he is our bridegroom. And I think about how much I need my wife, in in the natural that that's that's the kind of relationship we need to have with jesus um and also romans 8 5 
For those who live according to their flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Um, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So this new covenant there is, I think we're all very aware that often the church today can be stuck in that place of lukewarmness of the church in Revelation. A place of thinking that it's okay, you know, I've got this, I'm, you know, I've said my prayer, I've got salvation, uh, I know the Word of God, I can sing on a, on a Sunday morning, um, but it's a, and, and then go out a week and, and do as we've always done. But I believe there's a clear separation in this passage, that, you know, we're dead to the flesh and then we're now married to Christ. We're dead to the law, married to Christ, dead to the flesh, alive in the spirit. We've moved from death to life and peace. Um, So I believe it's um, enough of trying to just be happy and comfortable in the middle grounds where we do enough to uh, ease our conscience that we're okay, that you know we've got our salvation, but it's time now to be completely separate, completely set apart for Jesus, desperate, reliant. That somebody said in our little prayer circle this morning that we wouldn't even be able to get out of bed without Jesus. Amen. Because um, we cannot serve two masters. Um, so yeah, I just pray that we would have a revelation of living by the Spirit, of being set apart from Him, that, you know, I can't do my job during the week by myself. I I can't provide for myself, even though I have a job and I work hard all week, I cannot provide for myself. Um, That it is Him that does all things for me and through me. So, thank you for that. Amen. Good morning and welcome to Pentecost Sunday, an awesome day, exciting day for what it all means for us. The last few weeks, um, Tim's been um, talking about uh, New Covenant Christianity and um, I would like to uh, share several um, scenarios and hopefully they all link in together and uh, actually make sense. (laughs) The first part of the, the first scenario is in um, Acts 2 and uh, we will come back to it at the end as well. Acts 2, you can read where Jesus instructed his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. 120 of his followers um, were gathered together. The believers positioned themselves and waited for the Holy Spirit. Okay, now we're, um, we're, to, we're going to the next scenario and I'm going to take you to Mount Tambourine. Now, apologies to all the ladies who have actually heard this story. Um, but we're going to be at Mount Tambourine at a lookout. 
And every day that we were there, every morning we were there, there were hand gliders that came to the lookout. And they strapped on their equipment and they laid out their, their hand glider and, and, um, and they unfurled the multitude of strings. I can't believe they actually seemed to look like they were just strings attached to this hand glider. <clears throat> and, um, and they checked and they rechecked their equipment and then they waited at the edge of the high cliff mountain, very, very steep, and they positioned themselves. So just picture this. They've got the hand glider behind them. They've checked everything out. They've positioned themselves and they're waiting, waiting and waiting. And then suddenly a breeze comes up behind the, uh, and picks up the hand glider, picks it up and then they go running. They run to the edge of the cliff and they run as fast as they can and then suddenly there's no ground left. And the wind lifts up this hand glider and takes them higher and higher. The next scenario. Some girls will know what's coming next. In the afternoons were the bridal parties. The bridal parties and the photographers would come and take photographs because the um, scenery was absolutely awesome. Beautiful valleys below, the mountains in the distance. And the photographers would um, help the bridal couple to position themselves so that the photo photos would turn out spectacular. These couples had said, I do. These couples had uh, made a covenant with each other in front of family, friends and before God. They were stepping into a new season. It reminded me of our covenant, our I do's with Jesus and the romance that we have with Jesus who calls us his beloved. Now for another scenario, we go to Mark 5, 25, which speaks about the woman with the issue of blood. She had no name here, just the woman with the issue of blood. Twelve years she suffered Twelve years she went um, to, to many, many doctors. Twelve years she had had because of the laws of being unclean, had been segregated and alone. What is your identity? Do you feel alone in your issue? Do you feel segregated because of your issue? But this woman dared to believe. This woman with the issue positioned herself to be able to touch the hem of Jesus' shawl. This woman positioned herself for a miracle. No longer was she called the woman with the issue of blood. Because Jesus healed her 
and he also gave her a new identity. In verse 34, Jesus said, Daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. Go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. Her identity is daughter. We are given healing physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. We are given identity. We are called sons of God, children of God and much more. This New Testament Christianity is about knowing our identity because if we knew who we are and whose we are, our walk in life would be so much different. It'll be, our life would be changed. And the greater we know our identity, the greater we know who, whose we are, our walk changes in this journey. We walk in authority given to us through Jesus Christ. We are victors, not victims. So how do we know our identity? Through the word of God. It's by reading the word of God. See me if you, if you would want to know more about this. If you say, I don't know what my identity is, come and speak to me. I'd love to talk to you about it. And then we position ourselves to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. We say, I do, I commit, I make a covenant with you, Jesus. How do we position ourselves? By sitting at his feet, adoring him, worshipping him, romancing Jesus, spending time with him, soaking in his wonderful presence. My testimony is that in the year 2000, Trevor and I said, I do, to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We went from old covenant religious belief structure of being a servant under law to new covenant Christianity of identity that we are royal priesthood, sons and daughters, beloved. This new covenant Christianity means we walk in a normal Christianity, as was said earlier, <laughs> supernatural Christianity, empowered by the Holy Spirit to see breakthrough, to see the captives set free, to see signs, wonders and miracles. I'm believing for that more and more and to do all that Jesus did and more and all through the sweet, sweet love of Jesus. Now, back to Acts 2. And on the day of Pentecost was being, um, being fulfilled. All the disciples were gathered in one place and suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm the roar of the wind was so overpowering it was all anyone could bear. And then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. And they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues 
empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. And at the end of that day, 3,000 believers were added. 3,000 believers in one day. This filling is both inward for life and outward for equipping, for service, for ministry. And in closing, I would just like to say, Lord, fill us. Fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to see this again. We want to be, in, we want to be empowered by your Holy Spirit in such a way, Lord God, that Jesus, um, Lord, that we make a difference, Lord, in this, in this community that we are in. The people that we, we walk with, Jesus, they will see a difference because Jesus, um, Lord, you have empowered us through the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for the fire. We thank you, Father God, for the wind of the Holy Spirit taking us higher and higher. Jesus, we love you so much and we thank you for what you have done for us on the cross and we thank you for this new covenant that we have with you, Jesus. We love you so much and we thank you, God, for this day of Pentecost, for all that it means. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there are some things, there are some things in life, there are some things in, in the journey, there are some things in Christendom, if I want to use that term, that we have to fight for. There are some things we have to fight for, you know, because have you ever seen the introduction to The Chosen? You know, that, that, that um, hands up who's seen The Chosen. Okay, so you can see it on YouTube, you can get an app on your phone. And it's, these people are putting together a reenactment of, of the life of Jesus. Season one was gone, they're halfway through season two, you know, and it's just, and it's really good. It's good. But the, but the intro, there's all these fish swimming this way. And there's, but there's one fish swimming this way. Against the flow, against the current. And there are some things that, as believers, we have to fight for. Because you know what, you can just go with the flow of the world or you can stand up and go, no, I'm not content with going with the flow of the world that has crept into the church of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to live my life that way. I'm not, I'm not going to do church that way. That is not what it's about. But I want to actually be part of something that's different. And that's what this theme is about, returning to Scripture and returning to the principles and patterns that God has set down rather than just going with the flow for the sake of it. Because you know what, if... if, if if massive bands and lights, camera action, if big auditoriums that are black with flashing lights, if big old stone buildings and stuff, if all that stuff was going to change the nation, you know what? It would have been changed by now. Even if good preaching was going to change the nation, it probably would have been changed by now. There's plenty of good preachers out there. There's plenty of people on their knees out there. But God is looking for a people that will actually say, you know what? We actually believe what is written in the Word and we want to see a fresh demonstration of it. We want to stand for Jesus and for the things that He's been um, deposited into our lives and we want to be different. But you know what? It's not easy to be different. Just look at the media. If you dare to be different, and it's the same in Christendom, if you dare to be a bit different, 
There'll be people that will speak about you. But you know, you know what? We don't live for any other audience than the audience of the one who gave his life for us. So one of the things that we fight for is we fight for family. We fight for family. We fight for mums and dads and kids. We fight for family. We fight for the generations together because we need the generations. In the natural, I'm so proud of my son. He is my son whom I love so dearly. And my other son over there and then the one out there and the, the daughter who's taking Kingdom Kids today. But in the natural, I'm proud of my son. And it doesn't matter how he's feeling right now. I'm proud of him. It doesn't feel like it's like, you know, because I know what it's like sometimes when you're getting up, speaking in front of people, you go, oh, gee, I wish I said that. Oh, man, I wish I'd said that. It doesn't matter. I'm proud of him. And then May. And just for any visitors today, she's not my mum. I just, want to, I just want to clarify that. We're not three generations of the same natural family. We're three generations of the same spiritual family. But May's a grandmother. She blesses me. She blesses me greatly. And when we, when we don't stand for family, we, we're, we're actually missing the tapestry of God. We're actually missing the design of God. We're missing something because we don't have the three generations or maybe four generations together. At any time, there's at least three generations, if not four generations in a family. And, we, and, and that enriches a family unit. And we have to see that in Scripture and we have to stand for that. I just want to read a couple of verses to close off with. 1 John 2. John says this in verse 12. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Verse 13. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. And I'm writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. There are three generations right there. We're talking spiritually. There are three generations. There are the little children who have just come and they know that their sins are forgiven. That everything that they've done in life that Jesus has cancelled. That's all they need to know. At that point in time, they need to know that they are forgiven. Am I really forgiven? And you know what? There are Christians that have been walking this life for 30 or 40 years still with this baggage of going, am I really forgiven? That stuff that I did in my life, am I really forgiven? But John is saying, little children, I'm writing to you because you know your sins are forgiven. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who's from the beginning. You see, when you start to mature is when you really start to know him. Not just know about him, not just... No verses of Scripture. You can recite lots of verses. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you come to know Him. This is eternal life that you may know Him. The veil in the temple was torn. Jesus made a way. Not so we can serve Him at a distance, but we can come to Him. So I'm writing to you, fathers, that you may know him. 
And as a father, you want to bless your sons and your daughters with that knowledge. Know the Lord. Know the Lord. Know the Lord. And I'm writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. You know, you, people, people, people don't understand the journey sometimes, and I'm not putting, I'm, please, I'm not trying to put this in a box, but you know, you get saved by grace, and you know that you're saved, and you've been born again, you go, man, my sins are forgiven. But then as you start to walk that journey out, you know, you start to face some battles. The enemy starts to come at you and starts to do some stuff. But these are young men that, you know, they know, they've conquered. They've conquered. And they're walking forth, they're going, no, I am saved. No, I am his. No, I am belonging. I belong to him. There's three spiritual generations that John was speaking to, all in different stages in their journey, all in different stages with their walk, but they need each other. The little children need the fathers. Well, the little children need the young men. They go, you know what? I was just there. But this is what God has done in my life. And the young men need the fathers. We've got to fight for the generations. We've got to, we've got to fight for this stuff. May, May alluded to it. On the day of Pentecost, when they're all together and the Holy Spirit was poured out, he said, you know, he... I'll turn there. Let me get there. We read these words, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. There's generations even there. So where are the generations? One of our passions for the youth ministry, and this is what we've been really careful about trying to find the right couple to help us with, is we don't want to just create a fun club. Because if a, if a fun club was the answer, there'd be, there'd be people in their teens and 20s all over this nation following Jesus. We don't want that. We want them to know Jesus. We want them to walk with Jesus. We want them to grow up and be young and men and women of faith that, you know, that know who they are. We want to see them disciple and growing. Amen. That's our heart, isn't it? It's generations not only existing together, but it's actually generations ministering together. And that's what we fight for. The generations ministering together. When the young people were up, up here at the front sometimes, and you know we say, come forward for prayer. They are ministering. They are ministering together. We put them with, 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 with mothers and fathers in the faith to protect them and to shield them. But they're ministering in the Spirit together, fathers and sons. It says in, this will be my last passage, I promise. I shouldn't say that, should I? The Holy Spirit may give me something else. I think this is my last passage. Psalm 145 says this, I exalt you, my God and my King, and I bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. The Lord is great and He is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and they will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and your glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts. I will declare your greatness and they will give a testimony. It's the generations together. 
One generation will commend your good works to another. I will do this and they will do that. I will do this and they will do that. It's what we fight for, isn't it? Family. Family. The family unit is under attack from every side. Marriages, identity issues, gender issues, all the crap that is going on in our world. And the average, ordinary, everyday Australian is scratching their head going, how can this be? But you know what? No one's standing up. And so things just just go sliding through. You know, the church is meant to be the prophetic voice in the nation. Declaring the word of the Lord in his love. But standing for truth. Is there an amen? In this Jesus-centered community, kingdom community, there is space for every single generation. There is space for everyone. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. You know, times, you know, stuff happens. But you know what? Jesus loves children. Jesus loves young people, even though young people kind of go, oh, man, what are they doing now? He loves young people. He loves parents. He loves grandparents. He loves them all. You know, that in the center of this, when Jesus is the center, as we gather around him, there is space for every generation together. Every generation. Serving together, loving together, ministering together, side by side. The passion and the energy of the youth, all those young at heart. Woo! The wisdom of the mature. And the innocence of children. There is room for it all. Amen? There is so much to learn. The blessings of God are meant to be passed from one generation to another. And this can only happen if we are and remain Jesus-centered. When you find yourself going, oh, man, just come back to Jesus. The more we look at Jesus, the more we feel his love for kids, his heart for youth, his love for the mum and dads that are struggling, his love for those that are more senior in years and feel like, they, where do I fit? What can I do? There is space for everybody in the kingdom of God. And we want to be a people that stand for family as part of this restoration. Amen? Music team, where are you? We're going to sing the blessing. There's a, there's a, there's a line in this song, and it says... What does it say? <laughs> i got a blank. I'm in a different zone right now. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations. You know, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
Are you walking that out? Are you walking out the fullness of that blessing? Are you being that blessing to other people? If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, then what does God want to do in us and through us? You know, we've been talking about it the last couple of weeks, you know, about, you know, and um, Fran and Jude have been talking about it at the bookshop on a Friday morning, about blessing people. What are you blessing people with? Someone that's struggling with something, why don't you bless them with the very thing that they need? Speak a blessing of hope over someone who's discouraged. Speak a blessing of joy over someone. Pray for them and speak a blessing of joy over someone that's struggling through life. We are blessed to be a blessing in every way. When you catch yourself, and can we be really real for a moment? When you catch yourself and you're about to whinge or complain or moan about someone, and it goes, suck it back in again. And speak a blessing over them instead in Jesus' name. I bless them. Because the Word of God says, how can blessings and curses come out of the same mouth? This cannot be. So when you catch yourself, and the Holy Spirit's going to start doing that, you're going to go, whoa. Speak a blessing over them in Jesus' name. Because the Bible says, bless and do not curse. Amen? What is a curse? I'm just hearing someone say, what is a curse in the Spirit? Doesn't just doesn't have to be a witchcrafty thing. It can be it can be a comment like, that person is so stupid. That's a curse. Man, they are so dumb. That's a curse. Lord, I want to bless them. I want to bless them today. What are you going to bless them with? Amen? Let's be a people of blessing. Let's call those things that aren't as if they are. Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Power and, there's power and life in the tongue. Yep. Power of death and life is in the tongue. What are we going to speak? So let's stand. And let's bless. Bless your brothers and sisters, but bless the people in Bundaberg. So as you sing this song, as you sing it, you're not just speaking it over yourselves, but we want to see the blessing released over Bundaberg, that we would see more and more men, women, and children come to know the Lord and be saved. Amen. Amen.